Are you registered to vote? Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org, where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for Election Day. Headcount tours with musicians to help concert attendees register to vote, but you don't need to leave your house to register or to get voting info. Register to vote by visiting headcount.org. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of Mixtape Memories. Memories. I'm Matt Hart Spade. And I'm Jenners. And um, we're excited to be back and we're excited to highlight a whole bunch of incredible black women from the 90s and aughts with this episode. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this episode. Brought back a lot of memories. <laughs> Definitely a lot of cassette memories, a lot of junior high and middle school, high school dances, and just, I don't know, cer yeah. certain things I haven't thought of in a long, long time. And yeah. I also feel like there's just kind of a resurgence right now, particularly with like 90s black dance, black house music that is you hear in more kind of actually here in top 40 these days a lot. I don't know. I think it's kind of a nice tie into what's going on currently. There's a lot of early 90s influence, in my opinion, in pop radio right now. It's just uh, a good time to be nostalgic about this era of the 90s, mm -hmm. R&B, pop era. There were so many, so many good, you know, singers and artists during this period. And so many uh, good ones. I mean, the, the ones that obviously broke in a major way, but even like there were a sea of really great one hit wonder type artists that I think were all amazing as well. You know, like those songs kind of stand the test of time, in my opinion. Yeah, I always think of uh, Gonna Make You Sweat. Of course. <laughs> CNC Music Factory. That's a classic. Um, super 90s. The main kind of vocal from that song was Martha Wash. And then she became known as the most famous unknown woman of the mm -hmm. 90s. And I always think of these like when I'm trying to pick karaoke tracks or something like that. Like a lot of, I always think to like 90s R&B <laughs> singers. But I can't, I'm not as good of a singer as them. So <laughs> like I either. always want to sing it, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know what song I always want to sing is um, uh, uh, from the late 90s is Destiny's Child, uh, Bills, Bills, Bills. Um, <laughs> I, I love that song so much. It's actually probably one of my favorite Destiny's Child songs, even though it wasn't like major, major hit, but um, one of their er first ones. But yeah, I can't, I can't do it any justice either. Yeah, that era of Destiny's Child reminds me of like college dorms. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what was being played at the clubs and bars you know like the mainstream bars like mm -hmm. like you couldn't escape it at that time it was like and then it was like it felt like inevitable that beyonce would go out on her own of course <laughs> there's also like labouche oh my god be my lover was my jam <laughs> but it's it's just like funny because like i think at the time i didn't like um necessarily know who the sing you know the female vocals were in these songs, you know, I don't think that I was like researching that part of it. I just thought of it. Oh, it's like the group, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like the the singer from Labouche was in another adjacent band that was French themed, Le, Le, Le Click or something like that. Um, but yeah, oh. they had a bunch of singles that were on the radio that were, you know, a lot of the stations here in New York that would play, you know, the alternative stuff and the pop stuff would also play the dance stuff. So it was kind of this this crazy mix so you would hear Labouche Le, next to like smashing pumpkins in in you know yeah. 1998 in a new york radio station you know yeah that's true and i think that's probably why that was such like a happy period totally <laughs> a lot of songs i liked although the, you know not some people weren't that great but no. um you know not everybody but it was like that kind of era was becoming more and more popular that kind of grunge alternative explosion um kind of really opened up like songs that i never thought would be like kind of on big radio or whatever mm -hmm. you know you've been to my apartment a couple times and i remember one time we had like this like sort of dance party we were playing real mccoy tracks 
Uh. <laughs> from like 94 and I actually have a quick funny story about that because when they first came out the first two singles were Another Night of course and oh then Runaway gosh. and yeah. when they were coming out they I remember they did an autograph signing at Tower Records in Long Island and I went to it with my family my brother and I had bought each of those songs cassette singles yeah <laughs> and we waited online and and anyway after about four hours they signed our little tiny cassette single um and I so wish that I knew where it was right now. It's probably somewhere in my parents' basement. Oh, my God. Because it'd be such a hilarious thing to just kind of take a photo of and just kind of show around these days. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's like my car- my favorite karaoke song is Another Night. <laughs> and I always try to sing both parts, but it's actually really hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that guy had that, like, super deep voice. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, my God. He was the worst. He was the worst. Was... <laughs> but, you know, the female vocals of that song uh, are, like, amazing. Yeah. I just feel like there were so many great vocalists of the 90s. And, and going back to what you were saying about R&B kind of exploding, I feel like R&B and pop were kind of synonymous with each other. I mean, if you look at what was you know, what the huge singles of the 90s were. I mean, I think probably one of the biggest singles ever, uh, although not my favorite Mariah song, but Mariah and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, was number one for like months upon months in the mid-90s. Um, of course, Brandy yeah. and Monica, Boy Is Mine was a huge hit. A lot of these songs that, you know, maybe in the early part of the 90s were more regulated to hip-hop, R&B, radio, were becoming big pop singles as well. Yeah, it's true. Um, but who were some of your favorite artists from this period, some, particularly women from this period? Jeez, there's just so many. Um, I really was into Aaliyah, mm. and uh, I think I was into Destiny's Child, but more in a, like, party way. Right. Um, but I feel like Aaliyah, I still like listening to her songs, uh, and not in a, like, funny, I, you know, nostalgic way, but more in a, like, Oh, yeah, this was like a really good song kind of way. She was, I mean, she was incredible. I feel like she had the voice. She had the music. The music videos were great. She had the look. And then all those songs with Timbaland were just like so great. Um, And I feel like, you know, if I heard Try Again out, you know, somewhere, I would totally get down to it even to this day, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was a really sad loss. I know, like she was like taken before she's really got to reach her potential, you know, so it's, um, I don't know, it's sad, besides it's, all the R. Ke- like weird R. Kelly stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, every I, th- I felt like everybody was sad, you know, when she passed away. It's yeah, I like feel like weird... that was a huge loss, not just for R&B, but just for like the entire music community, because I feel like she could have, I feel like she was on the path to have a career kind of like what Beyonce has today, where she yeah. was just completely ubiquitous and like mega star and playing football stadiums, you know? Yeah. I think it could have happened for her. And she was acting mm-hmm. and like, um, so I, I felt like. You know, she w- she could do no wrong at the time. Like, she was, like... And she just felt... You just felt like she had, like, a good spirit about her, you know? Definitely. Like, so I think that added to the appeal. What about you? I mean, there are so many. I mean, going back to Mariah, just for a quick second, like, for me, so many of those mid-'90s singles of hers, I loved, not One Sweet Day, but I loved Fantasy so much. I love Always Be My Baby. I think that those are, like just fantastic fantastic pop singles that i still want to hear out you know um yeah and of course even earlier stuff from mariah right around you know the turn of the decade like emotions and and whatnot um yeah i mean obviously she she broke all sorts of of ground but i think one of my favorite acts from this period um is missy elliott i just feel like she just is a complete game changer in terms of the look the beat um her flow her style uh her album covers um and yeah i mean i just always thought she was like incredibly uh ahead of the curve and in my view she doesn't get the credit she deserves for kind of changing 
hip hop culture? Yeah, like I think she was like a revelation to mm -hmm. like a lot of people and um, certainly to me. There's no one kind of really like her at that time. She definitely had like a, a sound. Mm -hmm. It was like kind of creepy and cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when uh, Supa Dupa Fly the video came out and of course she's wearing that iconic like I don't even know what to call it exactly. <laughs> like blow up black. Uh, what is yeah, it? Yeah, it's like blow up. Garbage look, bag esque. Yeah, it was kind of garbage <laughs> uh, bag inspired. <laughs> and she's like driving in her Jeep. I mean, the, the whole thing is like, what the hell's going on? But at the same time, I want to know more about this woman's world, you know? Yeah. And now, like, tons of people, you know, wear those suits. They have, like, you can buy those, like, kind of blow up air. Balloonies. <laughs> it looks fun. It does Every time look I see fun. people in it, I'm like, I, I can see why they wanted to experience that. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, like she had like a great partnership with uh, Timbaland too, and like mm -hmm. producing songwriting mm -hmm. team. So yeah, and she actually she worked on an Aaliyah track. Yeah, they were close. They were yeah. close. So. It makes sense, like that. If to what to like one, you kind of have to like the other too. I think. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I feel like they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they're, uh, they're like she, the same family, you know. Exactly. I know she was. I think last year, or the year before that, uh, MTV honored her with like the Video Vanguard Award. Um, so she's finally getting some props all these years later. But um, yeah, I really think that she changed the game. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think she's had really like. Um, a major hit in in quite a while but um she is still putting out music she'll put out like one song at a time like once yeah. a year every year or two but um i'm glad she's still going and i feel like she's the kind of artist if she were to ever do a a tour once we're able to tour again uh or artists are able to tour again that like and she did like all the old singles from the 90s i would be there in a second i would so want to hear that and see how she kind of brings that that vibe to 2020 you know yeah i mean honestly it doesn't even matter if i like whatever song she's releasing i always want to listen to it mm -hmm. at least and then i always want to watch the video uh, yeah <laughs> like, of course she has these amazing videos with these crazy like dance you know coordinated dance uh sequences like uh and it's I don't know. She still gives on a good show. You just know, like, she's going to be amazing live, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I love everything about her. Yeah. I also kind of love that she was, for a long time, and I think to this day, really, she doesn't talk about her sexuality. She's just like, I'm going to leave that totally ambiguous, and you figure it out. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, it, it also is a little bit ahead of the curve, because, you know, uh, for a while, I worked at a queer magazine, and... Um, you know, the, the big term back in the day was like openly gay, openly lesbian, or the term openly, which is kind of funny now. But now you see a lot of acts that are just like, it's actually none of your business. And I, I think that's actually the better way to go. It really is none of your business. Yeah, it shouldn't matter. You know, yeah. I don't know why we're so obsessed with people's like every personal detail. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes hand in hand with just kind of social media and the way we kind of live our lives now but i like that she never really revealed too much so there was kind of this air of mystery about her yeah she's she's always going to be like a you know pioneer i think totally someone else i really loved from back in the day was uh tony braxton oh my gosh um, yeah yeah that i just remember owning that debut album on cassette my parents uh bought it for me when i was like 11 or 12 years old uh, and it was at a, a flea market in Long Island, and it was like the bootleg copy, so it didn't really have the liner notes or anything, and the audio quality wasn't very great. But I remember <laughs> listening to that debut album over and over and over again. And um, I also just love that the cover image, like that pose and her pixie haircut. I mean, it's so awesome, I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she wasn't like your conventional beautiful like r&b singer too i thought she was just like she had like another layer to her like a intelligent but like kind of crazy mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. edge to her but yeah like she's another one i think about karaoke and then i'm like 
oh my god she i could never sing you know it's like trying <laughs> to sing whitney or something right right <laughs> certain like, things just unless you're like a really good vocalist <laughs> there's just certain things you can't do in karaoke <laughs> I hate that when you're at karaoke and then you're someone like me who can't sing very well, and then the person who goes immediately before or after you is actually incredible and it makes it makes you stand out in all the wrong ways, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like for some reason, I'm always sandwiched. There's yeah. always like somebody at the karaoke party who's like a really good singer, and maybe sometimes like it's like like if, if you're like um, you know going karaoke with like a bunch of like performers, you just like feel so dumb. You're just like. <laughs> It's like they do some kind of epic production to it or something, and then like get like the whole room singing along with them. And of then course, just like you end up singing a song that nobody knows. <laughs> so everyone's talking. To you. I've I've been there, been there quite a few times. Um, I actually saw Tony Braxton in, in 2016, a few, like literally the week of the election of that terrible oh, crazy. week. Crazy. Um, it's it's kind of a funny story. I had. So my partner and I got addicted to uh, the reality show with all the Braxtons. Uh, that's on, I believe it's on WeTV. Yeah. Uh, and it's just totally like silly and trashy, whatever. It's it's a fun kind of, you know, if you just want to like. Braxton family values. Thank you, whatever. yeah. <laughs> uh, if you just kind of want to zone out. But um, anyway, we kind of got addicted to the show. And then we saw that Tony Braxton was doing a tour. And the closest city was Atlantic City on a Saturday night. We're just, you know what? Let's make a weekend out of it. This is so stupid. Let's just go. And um, we went, and, you know, the show was literally, like, November 11th or 12th of, of 2016. And the whole world just, I mean, obviously, everybody that week was kind of figuring things out and confused. And yeah. uh, we were walking, you know, we had some time to kill, and we actually went to, of all things, immediately before the Tony Braxton concert, we went to a rodeo. <laughs> Because a, a different casino that didn't have Tony Braxton was hosting some sort of rodeo, and we got to see like what true. Uh, it was a very different crowd than than Tony's I crowd. Bet. I'll just say that. Oh my god! Like Opposites. We were dressed like ready to go to the Tony Braxton show, so, <laughs> so that was kind of funny too. Because you know we were trying to look our best, and it was a very like down <laughs> down home kind of vibe, like you know uh, a lot of straw hats and stuff. Um, so that was a trip. And then we went to Tony Braxton's concert immediately afterwards, which it was just, it couldn't have been two polar opposites. And it kind of felt just kind of like the world we're living in, like the people who voted one way, the people who voted another way, you know? Oh my gosh. Um, but I got to say, I'm kind of going a, a around the, the bend here, but like Tony was amazing and she opened the show with Unbreak My Heart. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. I know. Everyone just went crazy, right? Pretty like... much. Yeah. And then she... <laughs> And then she ended the show with, um, he wasn't man enough for me, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was damn good. Like, I'm so glad I went because I was so depressed that week. And that was such a, you know, lifted me up. Yeah. You know, I, I don't remember the last time I went to a concert to be lifted up. <laughs> no, like, I want to do that more. <laughs> I think you have a good, you have a good practice there. I like, I mean, we discussed this. I like going to a pop show once in a while and just kind of singing along and being silly and, you know, sometimes yeah. you need that. Yeah. Like, probably the last time I did that was like, I don't know, seeing some dumb pop band, like U2 or something. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But, uh, but then I realized that I didn't like arena rock kind of shows, like that yeah. large capacity. Yeah. And I preferred the smaller shows, so I think that's, like, why I haven't been to a, as many big shows as you. I have to get over that. Hump. I think you, ha if you go in with the mindset, like, listen, the person next to me is going to be, you know, talking over half the show, or the, the other person next to me is going to be taking selfies the whole time. You just kind of have to accept, like, if you go in kind of <laughs> accepting that it's, like, not everyone is there to, for the same reason you are, it, I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's a good way to put it. And also, like, for to see someone like Beyonce or 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 Janet Jackson, like, you have the only way to see them is going to be in a very large room. You know. That's true. Yeah. Well, Janet, that's uh, that's another good, you know, favorite singer from the '90s. Uh, yeah. She was. Um, she had so many transformations. Did you like '90s Janet? I do. I love '90s Janet. I mean, my favorite 
my favorite moment of the of 90s Janet is like um the self-titled album where she is bare-breasted and yeah. the, the the hands are covering the boobs like the guy behind her kind of creepily covering the boobs yeah yeah um, but that album had so many amazing hits on it uh yeah uh obviously if obviously again um mm -hmm. but my that's favorite track was uh, that's the way love goes i love that's the way love goes i think that's just kind of like one of the most classic r&b tracks of the 90s in my view that was sexy janet <laughs> yeah um, i mean I, lo I love the whole range of janet in the 90s like rhythm nation janet velvet rope janet i love all of it but i think for me i'm drawn more towards like mid jan mid 90s janet yeah i guess rhythm nation could be like considered like the beginning of the 90s even though it was like 89 or whatever uh -huh. like she was all those videos came out, you know, kind of around that turn mm -hmm. of the decade. Because, like, that was my favorite Janet, I think, for the uh -huh. Nation Janet. <laughs> well, I mean, she had the moves in those yeah. videos. <laughs> she was like... <laughs> she meant business. Yeah. Yeah. And well, also, Level, Never Do Without You. Of, of course, how could we forget? Escapade, When yeah. I Think of You. I don't know, some of my favorite. Um, I mean, yeah, she, ha she really had some incredible singles throughout the 90s. Yeah. It's weird that to like when I broke it down, like that I preferred a, like the '80s Janet to the mm -hmm. '90s Janet. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe that's a nostalgia thing. I right. don't know. Well, I'm I not mean, sure. she's one of the ar these artists too that has gone through various transformations and kind of changed the sound a little bit with each album. So um, it is kind of a similar Jason kind of thing to like a Madonna, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I love, even though it's not my favorite album of hers, when she put out The Velvet Rope, I believe it was like 97 or so, um, she just kind of went in a different gear. And that album is very sexy as well, but in a, an entirely different way than her earlier work. So yeah. I kind of like that she's always pushing the button gently and kind of going in her own direction. Yeah. 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 She, I mean, she's, she's great. Although I have never seen her live because I've, I don't know if this is true, but I'm told that she just kind of like lip syncs the whole thing. And for me, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be faulting her because so many artists do that. But for me, if I'm going to pay so much money to see a, an act in a stadium, I, I, I want to hear live vocals. That's just me. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that about her. I don't know when it was that I first learned that like some people lip sync on <laughs> live shows. <laughs> it just blew my mind mm -hmm. <laughs> i was like what you could do that <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think that would yeah that would that would be a deterrent for me too because i'd be like what's the point yeah i kind of feel that way too i mean i'd rather hear for me like a great vocal than maybe a great stage production yeah. i don't know i don't know who else did you love from the 90s and the aughts I was into Brandy, <laughs> mm -hmm. which um, I don't know if I would actually call her like a guilty pleasure kind of thing, but I, I don't know. There was just something about her that I really liked. Yeah, like I don't know. She had a weird kind of uh, whispery kind of almost like voice, you mm -hmm. know? I don't know. There's just something about her that like she wasn't annoying. <laughs> there was something <laughs> cool about her, but also like youthful. Like I want to be down. Like that's a big... You know, I feel like I play that song on playlists a lot. So mm -hmm. I feel like she's like really known for the Boy Is Mine duet with Monica, you know. So, mm -hmm. but I liked her song with Mace, Top of the World. <laughs> I always felt like, like I was always playing that when I was DJing or something. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I love the early Brandy singles. Notably, I Want to Be Down as well. Um, I think that that was when she was first coming out and I would see her videos on MTV, I'd be like, who is this? Yeah. Um, I kind of dig this. I think as the years progressed and she got a little more pop, uh, a little more dancey, I guess, uh, I lost interest. But I think those, for me, the first couple singles were really great. Is it true that you interviewed her at some point? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I did. When I used to work at like a teen magazine when I first like graduated college, I uh, interviewed her. It was back in those days where like you didn't, you know, you had like these like weirdo phone recorder thingy, you know, <laughs> like I adapters visualize it. Yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and the, 
Like, I don't even remember which kind I was using, but whatever it was, like, just did not record the interview. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like, at the end of the interview, I realized that it's not recorded, and I'm, like, panicking, and I'm just like, uh, so, funny story, like, I, none of this was recorded. Do you mind doing the interview <laughs> How did, again? What was she like? What'd she say? She, like, she was, like, obviously, like, annoyed, but she was so, like, nice that she was just like, okay. <laughs> did you ask and her the same questions again? Yeah, I asked her the same questions over and over again. And, and that's how my brandy interview. So she was actually, like, really nice, because, like, I felt like if it was me, I'd be, like, so annoyed and be like, you could ask me, like, five questions or yeah, something exactly. like that. Well, I had a, an instance like that as well where I actually was working with um, someone who was doing video for me, and then the video worked, but the audio never did, and I didn't realize until I got home and was trying to play with the material, and I was so bummed, but I actually got to interview that artist um, over the phone afterwards, and it was fine, but yeah, I asked the same questions. I guess it happens from time to time, but it is, I could see how it'd be super annoying for the musician. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of devastating, though, like when you're on the other end. You're just oh, like, yeah. Oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you ever like a um, Mary J. Blige kind of fan? Uh, absolutely. I wouldn't call myself like mega fan slash stan, but I was really into her. And I think I, I appreciate her maybe more now than I did back in the day. Um, but she's, a, I think the reason that I adore her is because she is, she's singing from the heart. She's singing mm -hmm. about experiences. She's letting it all out there and she's, plus she's an incredible vocalist. And I just feel like so many people are drawn to her just because she isn't playing games. Like she, like, I don't know. I just feel yeah. like she's, she's had trauma in her life. She's had drama in her life as we all know. Uh, and she, she kind of battles through it very publicly and then kind of comes out the other side stronger. And I feel like that's ultimately the message in a lot of her music is like, you, you know, I, is a kind of resurgence and, and strength and, and um, I don't know, like not backing down in the face of adversity. And I, I, that's what I kind of love her for. And I mean, in yeah. terms of 90s music, like, uh, everything from What's the 411 I love. Um, I love the, pretty much the entire My Life album. She's great. Uh, and then, of course, like, I think it was right around like, 2000, 2001, she put out No More Drama, and then that Grammy performance of that song is legendary, <laughs> where she's really going to town. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can go on. I mean, I, I feel really like that her. was like her, you know, big kind of rise to like reaching more people was that song no more drama yeah yeah she's incredible you know she kind of in at least in my world kind of disappeared a little bit over the last few years but she did put something out like maybe six or so years ago it's an album called the london sessions and it includes disclosure sam smith various other british acts it's a essentially kind of like a disco r&b album and it's it's really great and i feel like it was kind of underappreciated at the time but yeah, you should go back to it if uh, if you haven't. I don't think I've heard that. Y'all have to really go good. back and check yeah, really it out because disco R and B sounds pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean it has like that typical kind of disclosure. Actually, going back to the early '90s, I feel like that's kind of what disclosure does: is kind of take that house music and translate it into current day. So imagine like her amazing vocals with that kind of like beat. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I dig her. Yeah, I always felt like there was just like a genuine kind of pain. You just like felt that pain in mm -hmm. her um, songs and always like respected her. And I think I'm like you. I didn't appreciate her as much back then. Maybe I was like too young to be receptive mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I think also she was singing about all these heavy life experiences. And I think for me, when she first kind of got on my radar when I was like 10, 11, 12, I didn't. I couldn't fully understand. I couldn't fully relate, you know? Yeah. But maybe as an adult now I can. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. You grow. <laughs> you grow, yeah. We're listening to the songs that we thought, like, 
old people listen to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> there was a moment in the in the aughts where like I was, I mean, when I was running my sites like and whatnot, I was I had to be so up to the minute on what was being released and coming out and and I didn't want to miss a, a concert, I didn't want to miss uh, the news of a new single, a new video, and I feel like these days, I mean, it's pretty obvious since we're, we have this podcast, but like, I really appreciate looking back and, and doing the whole nostalgia thing and kind of uh, experiencing the same music I enjoyed at 14 at this age uh, from a different lens, mm. you know? That's true, yeah. It's, it's like definitely a different experience. It's like remembering your feelings, but yeah, and then kind of translating it to like how how different your perspective it is now, you know? Totally. I feel kind of similarly for Erica Badu. I feel like I didn't really like like actively listen to her back then, mm-hmm. but when when sh- her songs come up on like other people's playlists, I always like gravitate towards them. And I always think that they're really good, and then they end up on my playlist. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. I, I adore her. Um, but, yeah, she's another one that I would say when she first came out, I didn't know what to make of her, and I wasn't a huge single of On and On and, uh, and Apple Tree and those early singles. And then kind of um, as I was in, like, college, I really started to appreciate her, and now I think she's just um, incredible. Um, yeah, I, I, I love her. I saw her a few years ago at BAM. She performed with Most Deaf and the Brooklyn Philharmonic, and they performed her album uh, New America Part One in its entirety, and it was just stunning, and I, I adore her. Yeah, but she hasn't released mu- like a full studio album in a very long time. It's been like a decade, so hopefully sometime soon there'll be like a full album of new music. I feel like a lot of people might get inspired by like, how crazy the times are with like black lives matter and police brutality and civil justice Mm -hmm. and just just everything that's going on right now (laughs) through the pandemic um and you know the state of the the country that i feel like you there cannot be like you know products of music like that are born because of this period you know mm-hmm. so yeah, i'm kind of interested that. in seeing that i have a funny story so uh in regards to amazing black women from the 90s putting out music about two years ago two and a half years ago there was a performance billed as ladies night at barclays center and it was on valentine's day and the lineup was like Belle Biv DeVoe, Bobby Brown, Casey and JoJo, uh, Faith Evans, Escape, Black Street, wow. uh, maybe one or two others I'm forgetting, but like it was a <laughs> trip. And um, and anyway, I went to it with my partner and it was like one of the best nights. It was amazing. Like they each performed like their three or four biggest hits and then moved on to the next act. So it was very much like a variety review type thing. Um, but I always was fascinated by Escape for some reason, and particularly Tiny, who's also T.I.'s on-again, off-again partner, um, <laughs> uh, whatever that situation is. But, like, they were great, and Faith Evans was great, too. And, um, yeah, I was kind of living my 90s life there. So That sounds like an incredible night. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was really good. You know, in high school, I was um, a lo- pretty much, like, most of my best friends were these kind of, like, funny, strong, independent black women. And like, uh, you know, I still keep in touch with them. A lot of them have moved out of New York, but like my fondest memories are listening to like that kind of stuff with them in the mornings before we would go to class. Mm. I don't know, it brought back a lot of warm fuzzies for me. I don't think that I've seen any kind of great, I don't know. I think I only really started going to concerts when it was like, I was really into like indie rock, so. I was mostly just going to see stuff like that um, yeah, yeah. back then. Part of me is like, oh, that would be so fun just to kind of go and experience like that era, that era of music, that size of like performance too, yeah. Yeah. you know, because it's not like usually on another level. 
and I think like for for example with that show the audience had been waiting to see some of these acts who haven't toured in very long time it, for many many years so they were so hyped when they came out that it was as if I don't know like the Pope was coming out and it was like Faith Evans <laughs> <laughs> so that that I appreciated because I think a lot of times in indie rock like you know, we'll have our arms crossed or we'll do like the little golf clap or whatever. But like to see people really pumped to see this act, like that to me is kind of encouraging, you know. You didn't have like too much crossover though. Like I wish there was more crossover with like indie being just more diverse and in, 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 like its makeup. You saw kind of like a little bit like I was always like surprised. Um, Solange is another person that I've interviewed for that like same teen oh. kind of magazine. And so back then she I feel like she's always like tried to be independent but yeah. I didn't really notice her being like super indie until like she started like band made up of like all these like guys from indie rock bands yeah. and um so that was like the first time like when I actually like knew people that were in her band I was like what <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. it confused me a little bit but then like yeah I just started to see her in this different light like she just want she wanted to take her own path into music and not be on like this like weird Beyonce kind of shadow of course. And I feel like she's like got, you know achieved that and I feel like now she's gotten there I think with the first two albums maybe it was a little bit of a I guess it's slow to to kind of get out from under the shadow of someone as huge and as major as Beyonce but I feel like when she put out that uh, EP True maybe I don't even know what it is nine ten years ago at this point and she was pretty much like BFFs with Dirty Projectors and like Grizzly Bear and whatnot um, and Deb Hines like she kind of really stepped into her own I mean and for me that's when I kind of super fell in love with her. I saw her so many times on that <coughs> tour that I can't even count. Uh, but I, I adore her. And actually now when I think of Solange, I, I don't think of her as like Beyonce's little sister. Like I, Solange is her own entity in my mind. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't even really associate them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like she's definitely come into her own. And I just have a lot more respect for her than I did in that original interview. I don't know. Um, that not not because of anything she did, but just like in that how much she's grown since. She had no. She has shown know. incredible growth yeah. over the years. Happened to repeat skip. Yeah, let's do repeat skip. I was excited about these two albums. Yes, I owned both of them in the nineties. Yeah, the f yeah. Go ahead with the first one because this was a classic. <laughs> oh yeah, so TLC, Crazy Sexy Cool, nineteen ninety four, classic. Oh god, <laughs> um, they were just so cool. I mean, my favorite was always T Boz. I don't know why. Like, I, oh, she was the coolest. <laughs> I love T Boz. I feel like people love Left Eye, but like I, I loved T Boz was my fave if I were to choose. But yeah. Um, I own this cassette uh, in middle school, and um, yeah, it was it was my jam, and it was played at all like the school dances and um, uh, not red light special. <laughs> 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 that would be a little inappropriate. Um, but uh, I remember dancing to Creep and like the other singles. Uh, but this was a strong album. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I there are some moments that weren't my favorite but i do think this was just like a, a really fun 90s r&b album and i mean they broke all sorts of ground before destiny's child they were like the original like like 90s girl, girl r&b group. group yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they like you know every, they were like cool in so many ways because they rapped and they did the r&b thing and they were like really crazy clothes in the beginning mm -hmm, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and like each different kind of personality like t-boz was more like tomboy mm -hmm. and like chili was like the more like feminine kind of uh you know archetype in the group and then left eye was like the the crazy one i want right. to say but uh, i feel like that's unfair yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she was more than that but like she was like the the energy. She had like all the energy. In, yeah, in yeah. The band. So, like you could see yourself, maybe 
you know, relating to one of those personalities. And yeah, I feel like with their earlier singles uh, and the, the previous album, they were kind of on the verge to pop stardom. But then with all these singles, particularly, obviously, Waterfalls, which was massive, yeah. um, internationally massive, they, they, um, they really kind of secured themselves as like not just R&B stars, not just hip hop stars, but like legitimate pop stars, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of their looks, uh, going back to what you were saying, like I just, when I think of 90s TLC, the first image I think of in terms of their outfits are those silk pajamas in the creep video. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And they, it really flowed well with the moves. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you still remember the image of that, you know? Like, yeah. And, and um, so I love when you can remember like the the music video as well. <laughs> totally, because it was so good. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Creep. You know, even though Waterfalls was the big hit, you know, that shot them into like international stardom. Like I think for me, Creep was like the best. You know, jam. Yeah, I think Creep is a better single than Waterfalls for me. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, you know, personal taste, really. Well, it's just a great song, and it's just, it's not so message-driven. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why I dig it a little more. It's not so obvious. Yeah, like, they were trying to, like, convey something with Waterfalls, and, like, the whole world got the message, you know? Yeah. Um, with Creep, it's just, you, you can just enjoy it, you know? It's mm-hmm. just like a, a melodic easy to listen to like pop song you know yeah so was that your repeat yeah i mean i would have to pick creep and then i think listen because this album has so many great singles it's hard not to pick them as the the repeat um for me i also really love digging on you which was like the fourth or fifth single released from this album i just i appreciate a good like slow jam like i don't know i think that was like the perfect 90s like makeout song you know (laughs) yeah this is also like one of the ones that like there were just like so many interludes. I was actually like didn't remember all the interludes. Maybe like how many freaking interludes I in know. one album? Have? I feel like there are at least six. Um, it's a lot, uh, <laughs> but I gotta say, you know, usually I, I despise interludes. I didn't mind these as much, although I could definitely cut them. But if I were, you know, the producer here or the person making these decisions, but um, they aren't. I feel like it, it flow, some of them flow nicely into the next track. So it wasn't a total loss for me. But yeah, I think for me, the interludes, and then I think we agree on this, Case of the Fake People, like I don't enjoy that song. <laughs> oh my God. That was so bad. I don't know. Um, it's, like, it's, it's so bad that like it made me giggle. I think like they were trying to it was like another message song but it mm-hmm. did, just didn't work um no. you know i think they were trying to have some kind of message but i think when you try too hard and it still has to be a good song you know it still has yeah to, that and also like take our time was like another song i would skip because mm-hmm. um there's something with like how they were dragging out you know the enunciation of the words mm-hmm. like I think it's also one of those albums, like, the album cover itself is so iconic with the font and the red background and and the the three women. Like, I don't know. For me, it's just one of those things that's also kind of, like, one of the defining images in my brain from, like, 1994, you know? If someone were to ask me to describe 1994, it'd be, like, the Dookie album cover, the Crazy Sexy Cool album cover, a few other things, and then, you know, just me being a... in middle school being awkward and trying to figure out stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) the next album we picked for repeat skip it's also another big favorite of mine Mm -hmm. i would say more than the tlc album yeah well this one had more critical acclaim too i mean it i think it won every freaking award at the grammys and soul train awards and bet awards i mean uh, rightfully so i mean it's really kind of a i feel like it was an instantly iconic album there's so many good songs on this album, yeah. to be honest. And we're talking about Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. 
this album will always like I feel like stand the test of time. It's like a timeless kind of classic album. She just sounded so this was like the peak, you know. Like she, well, I guess she didn't really make other. Yes, well, she never put out another studio album <laughs> another after this, which is like really crazy. Um, yeah. But no, this was like such a moment because the Fugees had taken off super big with the score and obviously like um, the Roberta Flack cover and, and all the singles from that album, which were so great. Uh, but then when she put this out on her own, I guess there was just kind of this question like, well, how is she going to fare without the Fugees? And it's like, uh, she blew it out of the water. This album is incredible. Um, and it really takes a lot of like twists and turns and like tears at your heartstrings at moments. And then also there are certain moments where you just kind of want to put your fist in the air. Like yeah. one of my favorite moments on this album is uh, Lost Ones. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of, the, of, I think it's actually the second track. Uh, and yeah, like there's just so much energy and passion in that song. And I love that she kind of opened it with a pure rap number. She's just like, you know, I'll kind of ease my way in, but this is how we're starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was so talented in so many ways that, like, it's it's rare that someone could do, like, rapping and R&B mm -hmm. and do both really well. <laughs> and it's not corny, you know. It's not corny. She had so much soul and coolness, um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of people wanted to be like her. You know, she was, like... She was going into, like, actor stardom, too, mm -hmm. and, like, but then, yeah, she just kind of went away after, but, like, this album was so good, it almost, like, doesn't matter if <laughs> that's what she wants to do, you know? <laughs> I agree, and I feel like, also, it, um, it kind of builds this album up even greater, knowing that this is, I think at this point, we could safely say it'll probably be the only studio album she ever releases. If it's been 22 years, I don't know when... <laughs> <laughs> the next yeah. one's coming. Um, but, yeah, it kind of makes this album even more of, like, a, a kind of the centerpiece of her career, or the pinnacle, I should say, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just great. You know, I saw her live maybe around a decade ago now, and um, it was at Highline Ballroom, which recently closed because of the pandemic. Or maybe it actually closed before that, I don't recall. But some sometime recently. It was always on the verge of closing. It was always on the verge. The booking there was always yeah. questionable. But yeah. um, they did book some good stuff, like Lauren Hill. And I remember the ticket price was insane. It was like, I want to say it was $175 a ticket. But uh, I had a hookup there, so I got to, I got comped. She was great. I know she has this reputation for, like, getting to a show late and being kind of lazy. None of that was the case, at least that night. Like, she was totally on her game. And she pretty much did, like, every big Fuji song, I would say 75% of this album, and then a couple of Bob Marley covers. And it was fantastic. That sounds you know? awesome. Yeah, it was great. I've never seen her live. This is another one that I would love to see live. Yeah. But it might be too late. I feel like, you know, sh uh, not to get too much into her personal life, but she had various tax woes in her life. And maybe, it, you know, once... Once touring is a possibility again, I could see her maybe hitting the road again because that's pretty much, you know, if, especially if she can charge $200 a ticket, like it's a it's a good source of income. What was like your favorite track on here? I think Lost Ones is high up there. Uh, I also love uh, Everything is Everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Which wasn't my favorite single when this album came out, but now it's probably my favorite track. Um, and I think part of the reason why I kind of re-gravitated toward this song is because um, I work with Taylor Mack, uh, who's a performance theater artist, musician, historian. He, he's everything. But awesome. um, he, he, He's great. And his landmark piece is called The 24-Decade History of Popular Music. And it kind of takes you on a musical journey from 1776 to present day. And as he gets closer to present day, everything is everything is included within the 1990s decade. And uh, his version of it really opened up my eyes to um, the lyrics, the just everything about the song. And I was like, wait a minute, I actually, this is such a fantastic song. So I don't know, I kind of, for me, I needed to be reintroduced to the song via someone else to really sort of appreciate the original. Those two tracks, probably my favorite. I love that. I love that, like, another artist kind of made you go back, revisit, you yeah. know, the original, and then see it in this whole new light. 
that's pretty cool when that happens. Because, like, yeah. sometimes, yeah, we can't appreciate certain songs, you know, when we're younger, when they come out, you know, but we can kind of find new meanings behind it later in life. But that was, like, the big single at the time, I think. It was one of them. I mean, she had quite a few hits from this album. Yeah. Yeah. What were your peaks of this release? I feel like when it came out, um, I was, like, really into, like, the more upbeat songs, like um, Doo-Wop and Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which was, I guess, like, a hidden track. I don't know. They were, like, catchy, you know. When I was, like, kind of revisiting it for the episode, I really just, like, loved Final Hour. I thought that Mm -hmm. was, like, an awesome song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was, like... You know, she's doing everything in it. She's doing the rapping, and she's doing the singing, and, like, it's just, like, so much emotion. I don't know. I was, like, really into it. Um, but I also liked Hurts or When It Hurts So Bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, like, you know. That's a powerful one. So powerful. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those were, like, the two I was, like, trying to decide between. Mm-hmm. I wanted to um, skip, uh, I guess, to Zion, even though it's not a terrible song. No, but, but, but that's also my skip, and I think we probably have the same reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I was never a big Carlos Santana fan, and I think now, like, I, whenever I hear his signature kind of guitar licks, it, like, I, I have this aversion. I don't know. Like, it kind of creeps. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, nothing against him, but, like, I... uh, There's just something kind of, like, cheesy about his sound, I guess. So, like... And I also, like, ever since he did a song... I don't know if it was, like, with Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20. Oh, of course. Smooth. Yeah, it was just Rob Thomas. (laughs) And he was on it, and I was just like, oh, no. (laughs) And I, I don't know. After that, I just, like, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't do it. Um, and I feel like to this day, that's the kind of song you hear at a laundromat, you hear at the grocery store. It <laughs> never dies, that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though it should. Um, exactly. But, yeah, I feel the same way. And, uh, you know, it's a sweet song, but I think just for me, just the addition of Carlos Santana doesn't, doesn't add anything exciting. No, no, no. I Sorry. saw him live <laughs> many, many, many years ago, only because Macy Gray was opening for him. And at the time, this is, I feel like she's kind of a joke now, but when that first album came out, she had all the buzz in the world. Um, and I went to see Macy Gray, uh, who didn't put on the best performance that particular night. But, um, you know, something about that smoky kind of voice I really dug. And then Carlos Santana came out, and I was like, I need a drink. <laughs> I really need a drink. Especially it was like a big uh, outdoor kind of like, um, you know, 20,000 capacity show yeah. in the middle of summer. I was like, I, I, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, going back to um, Lauren Hill and this album, uh, there is a funny memory I have uh, from high school. In my yearbook, because this album came out in 98 and I graduated high school in uh, spring of 99. So all these songs were you know, huge on the radio, uh, on pretty much across platforms, they were huge. So people would leave, like, uh, various lyrics from Lauryn Hill songs in other people's yearbooks. Like, that's how you signed it. For some reason that year, a lot, I got a lot of, I have to dig it up somewhere, but, like, a lot of Lauryn Hill-related signatures and, 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 you know, quotes and whatnot in the yearbook. But I remember there was this one girl, bless her heart, she had a crush on me, and she didn't realize at the time she was barking up the wrong tree. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, she put all these sweet lyrics from um, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, which obviously Lauren Hill didn't write. But, like, I think she thought that that was going to, like, win me over. And, like, I remember, like, she handed the, the yearbook back to me with a little winky face. And I was like, oh, no. I, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway. That's cute. It was cute. <laughs> and then I kind of told her, you know, everything after she did that i was like it ain't happening but uh thank you for the kind words yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) oh i love that story yeah i I just have a lot of sweet like high school moments with this album and um yeah i i mean 
Yeah, it was yeah. like a coming of it felt like a coming of age album while we're coming of age, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, uh, doing a little more research uh, before we were chatting today, I, you know, I knew that a couple artists had covered X Factor in one form or another, or not covered, maybe sampled is the better term, but mm. I didn't realize, like, the gravity of how that song has been in recent years, just, like, used over and over. Like, Cardi B, Drake, Kehlani, like, it's a long list. Like, that's, that's the track that apparently, like, is the one that keeps getting recycled and um, you know, good for Lauren Hill. I mean, that's a, that's such a solid like breakup track. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, Th- another great one. I don't yeah. know. There is so many. You could like literally just like listen to the whole album through. Yeah. Know, so yeah. good one. Yeah. So while you're going on your social distance walks, exactly, <laughs> you can throw this album on. <laughs> it's a perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Can't take my eyes off you from across the park. <laughs> <laughs> start singing out loud <laughs> you don't even realize <laughs> exactly um yeah i mean she she just knows how to take you on the journey of the song she's totally. like an expert so totally. like i i really wonder what a new album by lauren hill would sound like i feel like it would be fucking epic i know but but I don't know. I wouldn't get my hopes up at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't need to. People are no. sampling my songs. I'm earning money anyway. For real. I think <laughs> what's more likely is like a 25th uh, reissue of the release, you know? Right. <laughs> anniversary reissue. Yeah. Because uh, you could make money with that too. Like make it limited edition, make it autographed, make it a certain kind of colored vinyl. People will be all excited. I mean, including myself. Yeah, it's always about the color of the vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a sucker for that kind of nonsense also. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the business model these days. It's like touring and then very specific merch that people actually want to buy. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> those streaming numbers don't really add up. Well, I'm so glad we got to go on uh, this, uh, you know, tribute kind of episode to our favorite R&B ladies of the 90s. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. It's a good trip down memory lane. And uh, I feel like there's so many, too, that we didn't even touch upon just because, you know, we only have X amount of time here. But, like, yeah, uh, I feel like probably a future episode will we'll visit various others that we left out, like freaking the Bodyguard soundtrack, which owned the 90s. You know? Yeah, like that <laughs> that's <stuff>. true. Yeah. <laughs> but, there you was know, so many. Yeah, maybe time. that could be like a Divas. <laughs> yeah, version. I think a Divas episode. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, well, I'm so excited. We got our first episode of season three. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Um, And yeah, uh, hope you guys are staying safe. And um, we will catch you next time on on Mixtape Memories. Memories. (laughs) Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.